Hi, welcome to the Metal Detecting Show. My name is Kieran, and believe it or not, I've been detecting for nearly 30 years. This week I continue my series about the history of coins where I chat about coins of the new world. And we have our regular tech time out where this week I complete my series of how to test your metal detector. And of course, some updates from my adventures in metal detecting. So let's get on with the show. Hey all, before we start, I want to thank you for listening to my podcast. I hope you enjoy the show this week. If you want to give me feedback or interact with the show, please reach out to me on Twitter at Detecting The or Instagram at The Metal Detecting Podcast, or if you want to pop me an email to Kieran at TheMetalDetectingShow.com. If you like this content, please don't hesitate to tell your friends and don't forget to hit that subscribe button. So let's start with my adventures in metal detecting this week. This weekend, I attended Ireland's first token hunt this year. This hunt was originally scheduled for early March, but the relentless march of COVID-19 put a quick halt to that. So once restrictions started to lift, we were able to reschedule, resulting in over €800 being raised for local cancer charities. So some of the listeners may not know what a token hunt is. So quickly, a token hunt is where the organisers will hide a number of tokens on a site, which in our case was 24 tokens across three different fields. These tokens rang up as a solid 15 on the equinox, so initially I imagined this will be easy to distinguish. But boy was I wrong, as the terrain had quite a bit of green waste, which the organisers were not aware of, but... How could they, till we got down to it? This didn't take from the enjoyment of the day, as I didn't see any complaints, but only happy smiling faces relishing in the challenge to find tokens. This challenge proved to be difficult, with only 9 of the 25 tokens being found, one of which was the golden token, which was the top prize of a mine lab gold find detector, which appropriately went to a young girl on the day, who was delighted, and it delighted every big burly man there to see her get it. As 16 tokens remained unfound, a draw was carried out to distribute the remaining prizes, resulting in yours truly winning a new finds pouch, which at first glance looked to be exactly what I'm looking for, nice and big and rugged, and rugged enough to survive any abuse I can throw at it. A big congratulations to all event organisers as the event ran seamlessly and professionally from the start. Before I move off the token hunt, a huge shout out goes to Norway Digger who you will remember from my recent interview and N11 Express who shot some amazing drone footage on the day, which you can see if you go to Norway Digger's channel. I'll stick the link to his channel in the show notes. So let's talk about the coins of the new world. What is the new world? Well, a lot of people would be mistaken in thinking it referred to the coins of the US only. In fact, the new world refers to mainly all of the Americas but predominantly the South Americas. The New World was discovered or rediscovered in 1492 by Columbus while in search of trade routes to China that would circumnavigate the Italian-held Mediterranean. In fact, Columbus believed that when he landed that he had found India, but was very disappointed when he realised he hadn't in fact found India, but somewhere completely new that was blocking a trade route to China. Initially, the Portuguese and Spanish also very disappointed with the discovery of the Americas, so much so they sent several explorers to search for a way around it. But never mind that, we're here to talk about coins. So, as you can imagine, with the discovery of the Americas, the several countries followed an effort to colonize and reap the rewards of untapped resources. This obviously resulted in trade and trade routes being formed, and from the start, the new world coinage at the time came from the homelands of the colonizers of England, Portugal and Spain. But as the issuers of the coinage were on the other side of the world, this coinage value did not translate and coinage from the old world was deemed initially of lower value resulting in local traders relying on a barter system. 
coupled with stamped ingots of gold and silver for high-value items. It was until 1505 that the mainland Spanish mints of Seville and Burgo began minting a series of silver and copper coins specifically for use by the colonies. Then it was until 1536 at Mexico City that a new mint would issue the first coins that were actually struck in the Americas. And as you can imagine, it didn't take long for more mints to pop up in the Americas, such as Santo Domingo and other regions such as Lima and Peru. These first coins, struck in the name of Charles I from 1516 to 1556, are true works of art with a simple design, with the arms of Castile, castles, and Leon, lions, flanked by the mint mark and the initial of the Assayer on the obverse and the reverse bearing the symbolic pillars of Hercules above waves with the value and motto of, no, I don't know Latin, plebs, blood, <laughs> which is whatever it is, which is the Latin for more beyond. It's P-L-V-S-V-L-T-R-A. So get your Latin on and figure that one out. And a declaration in Latin again of Charles and Juana, the King and Queen of Spain and the Indies. These pillar-type coins were clearly produced as a statement that the new world was and always will belong to the King and Queen of Spain. Further new mints constructed at Lima and Peru are credited with having minted the first eight reals, or dollar-sized coins of the new world, whose design imitated the first coinage from Mexico. Not long after his ascension to the throne, Philip II, 1556-1598, changed the design of the coinage to the famous shield-type design, which consists of a full Habsburg coat of arms on the obverse and a cross with lines and castles again in the quadrants on the reverse. The first gold coins minted in the New World were struck in either Cartagena or Bogota of Colombia in 1622, other colonies were quick to follow minting gold coins to take advantage of the region's vast natural resources in gold. Spanish gold coins from this time were measured in escudos. A two escudo coin was referred to as a doubloon. Gold coins were issued in eight escudo, four escudo, two escudo, one escudo amounts. <laughs> These doubloons were pressed with the shield type design continued the tradition of the same aforementioned shield type design with one slight difference of fleur-de-lis in the cross quadrants. Point of note is that this is the coin you see in all pirate treasure hunting movies, including the greatest movie of all time, The Goonies. This design continued through the reign of Philip II and his successors, Philip III, 1598-1621, Philip IV, 1621-1665, and continued till 1552 after widespread corruption at the Potosi Mint, resulting in the death of the local town mayor and mint assayer. This corruption took the form of coin weight being lighter than planned, bringing into question the purity of the coins, resulting in a mass recoil of the coins to be replaced with what was to become known as the transitionals, and were commonly known as pillar and waves due to the image again of the Herculean pillar and waves on the reverse. We could talk about the coins of the New World for ages, but let's leave it there for this week. Next week, I'll take you from the New World to the United States of America. Up next is this week's Tech Time Out. Time for this week to come out. Last week I started the discussion on how to best test your detector, including air testing. Testing for sensitivity, depth and response. This week I will complete the topic by covering recovery, discrimination and other tests that may be helpful. So firstly, recovery. What is recovery? Well, as I said last week, recovery is the speed at which your detector can recover from giving its response. This is important to minimize target masking, but also to maximize your information resolution to help determine a good find amongst bad signals. So how do you test for recovery? Well, 
In your test bed, lay out several targets with one being an iron target, making sure all targets are of similar size. Lay these targets at equal distance apart, say one inch and equal depth. Taking your coil, sweep at constant rate over the targets. There is no advantage in going low and slow over the test bed as this will only skew the results, resulting in a more favorable outcome. So make sure to adopt a swing that is as exact as possible to your own swing. Swing in your coil east to west or vice versa. Listen for signals in all metal mode. You should have a solid signal for each, including the iron. If not, increase your recovery speed till you can hear all signals. Now, you could do this test by varying the distance between the targets till you can determine the optimal recovery speed for the test. But doing it once and adjusting your speed has the advantage of not having to break your back moving targets about. What you're trying to do here is to establish a range in your mind's eye to what effect adjusting recovery speed has on the performance of your detector. Now, you would think that having your recovery speed as high as possible is the best thing to do, but actually, having it too high only results in a shorter signal time, making it difficult to determine the iron in the swing. So often misused, recovery, now you know how to use it and to test for it. Up next is discrimination. You never hear of anybody testing for discrimination. So what are we testing when we are testing discrimination? Obviously, we are testing the detector's ability to block out an iron signal. So think about the times you have dug up an iron signal when you wanted to block them out. Nine times out of ten, you dug it because of two reasons. One, it was not completely iron. In other words, it was some alloy, even some jewellery has some iron in it. Or two, the target was so big the detector couldn't ignore it. So think about it. To test, we are going to use various sizes of iron objects, increasing in size till the detector can no longer ignore it and present it as a good signal. To do the test accurately, you will need to test at various sensitivities. But for this example, let's do the test at your own default sensitivity. Again, in your test bed, bury several iron objects of various sizes at the same depth. Set your detector to discriminate out the iron Move through the test bed with a standard swing till you hit a target that your detector cannot discriminate out. This will give you an idea of the size of target that will overcome discrimination. Not much use as you can use profile switching to help you determine a fine iron content, but still a test. Lastly, what other tests can be done? Well, with the age of the modern metal detector moving towards wireless connection, test your detector with both wired headphones and wireless. Try to determine if there is a lag in response. This can be subjective. But worth noting that some Bluetooth protocols are quite slow, which can affect your ability to pinpoint effectively. Battery life. Other than keeping your detector on non-stop and timing it, make sure to note how long you get from your battery on both your detector and headphones now. Test the physical aspects of your detector. Are the connections of good quality? Is the screen scratch resistant? Are the shafts prone to wear? How heavy is the detector? Where is its center of gravity? on and on and on and that's it for this week's tech timeout okay i hope you like this episode of the metal detecting show podcast i want to thank the website www.amnh.org from which i have quoted heavily from and drawn a lot of my information for this week's topic if you like this content please don't hesitate to tell your friends and don't forget to hit that subscribe button And if you feel like taking your appreciation to the next level, feel free to leave me a positive review on any podcast directory of your choice. Check out the website www.themetaltechnicshow.com for this episode's show notes. Check out our Patreon page if you want to help the podcast stay alive or just want to buy me a coffee. Just search for The Metal Detecting Show. The link is in the show notes. 
Once again, I hope you've enjoyed this episode. We will chat to you all again next week. Get out there, eyes down, and happy hunting.